0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Development, a podcast about HDRI, a youth-led think tank dedicated to policy research and facilitating debate in the field of human development. On each episode of Let's Talk About Development, we talk to researchers and practitioners about development issues and how we can work together to create social change. Today is our second episode where we will be talking about the environment. We have a guest today who will begin to introduce themselves, an environmental educator who loves unlearning. So hello Isaiahs today we are going to be talking about your environmental uh, activism so would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and kind of how did you get into activism and kind of your journey
1: Yeah thank you so much for asking that good question I mean I think for me growing up I grew up in Los Angeles California and My parents had immigrated um, from Mexico in the 1980s to Los Angeles, and I was born in the late 90s. And so for my whole life, I lived in uh, affordable housing in Los Angeles, often known as Section 8. Mm -hmm. And uh, typically in affordable housing programs, they're generally located in areas that are low income, um, are nearby toxic facilities, and have different economic inequities Uh, within those cities and so for me I was actually across the street from a few commercialized um, industries that did emit toxic pollutions Mm -hmm. and also down the street was my school and so for me I started to kind of make these questions in my head asking like why my environment was designed this way and whenever we'd go to field trips such as like beach or like other museum areas in Los Angeles, I realized that um, just like the way that communities were designed, the op- economic uh, wealth and in increase for opportunities for children over there. And so I, I started to ask myself like, is it the fact that people, that we didn't work hard in life in order to achieve this or is it the fact that there is something going on with my environment? And so when I learned about climate change, at the time it was presented as global warming
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, in the 2000s, I started to say like, um, how does this connect to my community? Because how it was presented back then, it was kind of seen as this othering. It was presented as, oh, it's something, it's, so, it's happening somewhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. And so the conversations about climate change were never in depth. It never really connected back into race, class, and status. And so um, for me, when I got older, I became, uh, in high school, I started to realize more about my environmental uh, injustices in the, in the community. And that really spurred me to k- apply to university to go to environmental science at UC Berkeley. And during that time, um, I heard about the term environmental justice, and it talked about how um, you know, people that are low income are generally nearby toxic facilities. And so that kind of started to make me think like, okay, like there's something obviously like wrong here. Like what is happening? Because obviously the people who live in these communities, they've done nothing wrong to deserve toxic air or toxic water. And so I remember growing up, I, didn't, I don't think I had access to uh, like that much clean water. Like you couldn't drink the, the tap water in my home. Mm-hmm. And so um, that made me think in college, like as I became what you would say an activist during that time, I saw that there was like a a gap between education, activism, and those entering the the environmental movement. And so for me, when I look into environmental terminologies, I don't just talk about it through a textbook definition. I really try to instill my cultural-based experiences and my own lived experiences dealing with that term. And so I think that really helped people understand more of how to solidify it in their minds or how they can connect back to that word. Um, and so that kind of started my activist journey during that time and so I think when I graduated college I didn't really do that many activists like protests or wasn't really active online I was doing really other things in life and when I created Curb Brown Vegan it was a way for me to translate all that information I learned in college and I had discussed with my friends um, to put it out there and to really not privatize that education because I was thinking like it shouldn't have taken me four years to pay thousands of dollars at, a, at an elite institution. Mm-hmm. That this is what you need to know about environmentalism. So I started to put it out there so educators like me can actually teach their teach their students what it means to be an
0: environmentalist. Yeah, wow, what a journey, honestly. So it it sounds like it was very like self, like kind of your own personal experience, and then just kind of utilizing whatever resources that you had access to to kind of further your knowledge and then you kind of thought well this also needs mm. to be available to other people so exactly really really beautiful um so i guess I, i'm curious to know uh like you said for example that you kind of came across this like uh like misconception around uh and like this knowledge that we have about en- enver- environmentalism and cli- uh, climate change, and. Um, what would you say from your experience? And the stuff that you share online is like the most common thing that people have, uh, like a misconception around about being, you know, active and uh, and activism around environment and the environment, and so
1: yeah i think that with activism online i think that there's this misconception that you have to be doing something to prove yourself mm-hmm. and so i really defeat that where i say like you don't need to define your own like you can define your own work and no one needs to characterize your work because at the end of the day the one who's living in this world and navigating in your world experiences is yourself and so i really strive to tell people to really reconnect with what has made them feel passionate about and that activism does not need to look like someone who is holding a protest sign and going to march it is like which is super important of course but it looks different for everyone and so i tell people that we all have different roles of how we portray activism and so for some people it can be education can some people it can be um what you would say um, modeling photography designing artists there's so many different ways of how we see activism and so I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions that many youth generations sometimes think they have to be at a protest, they have to join an organization um, to follow the crowd. But in reality, you can create your own organization, or you can just create your own work that doesn't center around always being in the organization because it can be very tiresome. Or some people are not that um, social, or they're extroverts, and so they rather do it inside mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: introverts. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always get them confused as <laughs> well great and and what would you say like uh was the kind of like moment in your journey was the the big like defining action moment you know the thing you were like okay this is kind of I know that I need to create an online platform because this is what works for me how was that uh like experience you know informed what was kind of like the first moment that you took this action you know
1: yeah, I, I think for me, the first, one of the first actions I realized is that I would see a lot of um, white liberal climate activists that almost seem to kind of put themselves on pedestals to really, to really uh, not even educate or empower students of color that may, that have experienced injustice, environmental injustice and don't have the words or the language to use it. And I saw a lot of elitism around that. And so I took it upon my point to kind of challenge these activists in my college spaces, saying like how much space that they were taking and how much uh, whiteness that they were centering themselves in these spaces. And so when I started discussing more about it with my friends, one of my friends was like, Isaiah, if you have such a good voice when you speak, like when people talk to you, they really resonate with you. why haven't you created something that's based off education or activism? And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to take any spaces online. But I realized that a digital space was not diverse in the ecosphere. There mm-hmm. were BIPOC creators existing, of course, but it wasn't as diverse. The, generally, the ones who got the most attention were the celebrity activists that were having millions or thousands of followers. And so I asked myself, like, how do I want to navigate my work?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, you know, putting, like you said, like putting yourself out there is obviously, you know, it takes a lot of bravery and courage because you you never know what kind of reactions you're going to get. So uh, what would you say, like, in terms of using social media for your activism, how did this uh, kind of, I don't know, impact, um, how does it impact your, like, the role of your activism, you know? What are the kind of, I would say, like, you know, the, the the positives and the negatives that you kind of experience from being out there online?
1: Yeah, I think the positives to start off is that I met so many new friends that are postgraduate college friends online. And it really warms my heart that I've been able to really connect with so many people digitally. Mm-hmm. I think um, the other positive is that it's really opened opportunities for me. I was able to make, i I made this my full-time career back in January. Mm-hmm. I quit my full-time job and it was very scary at first to think about it, but, um, we're almost in April and it's been almost three months. Since I've been freelancing and I really don't regret it. I really love waking up every day. Um, whether it be paid projects or non-paid projects, like I really get to meet so many people and that's what really inspires me to just continue doing is that regardless of what i'm doing like i'm just so thankful to connect with people like you and like others out there i think the negatives um in reality that sometimes people don't talk about it is that um how you get paid and sometimes it sucks because um people of color and my in my context too can be some of our worst critics from our own community Mm -hmm. and so sometimes when I post ads or things like that it's seen as performative it seems like you're selling out and so um those are kind of some of the hard discussions that you sometimes need to have but at the same time realize your own boundaries that they don't pay your bills Mm
0: -hmm. another
1: thing is the you know harassment and death threats I've gotten I think it's true the fact that Although social media tries to portray it one way, I've gotten very rude, um, harmful, direct messages, emails from a lot of right-wing individuals that have threatened me. And so these are some of the realities, I think, being as a queer content creator is that regardless of how I portray my education, um, people will still find ways to you know, say, I don't agree with you because you're gay. I don't, I don't like your work because you're gay, or I don't like you because you're a person of color. And so those are some of the kind of harsh realities. I have realized that some people in this world don't care how eloquent or how simple I present education. If they see one thing that they do not like about me, it's out of the box for them. And there's, you know, they say I'm, I'm useless. And so, um, that is kind of the hard conversations I do have with a lot of creators is that how we deal with like online harassment
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow um, that's really yeah, yeah it's the reality it takes a lot I bet, to just be out there because there's, people always have something to say um, and they hide behind their screens it's really it's really like scary honestly like it, like it gives you the mm-hmm. freedom to reach out to so many people but at the same time there's a lot of weirdos out there, I would say. Yeah,
1: it's like high school bullying, but yeah, um, yeah, in a it's
0: weird so way. Violent. So violent. I'm just like, <laughs> guys, go do something useful with your life. Um, so that you, like you said, there was you know this kind of response is obviously very harmful. And what uh, in terms of the own your own like kind of environmental activist community, what are kind of the responses that you've gotten? From people that are, you know, trying to learn, or people that are already, you know, are also educators like you. Um, what is kind of the response that you've gotten, and what has it taught you about the understanding of the existing, you know, environmental um, environmentalist like active uh, activist movement out there? Yeah,
1: I, I think I think for me, um, one of the things that really inspires me to wake up every day is the fact that so many creators online and students message me every day saying like, thanks to you, I'm doing this major. Thanks to you, I'm learning more about this. Thanks to you, I brought this up to my professor and now they're going to be talking about it. And so it really makes me happy that people are willing to feel more comfortable to have these conversations because when I was a student, it was so much different than it is now. I feel like more people are aware, more people are willing to have these conversations, even in college spaces when we talked about environmental justice or environmental racism, um, some people did not really want to talk about it or it was not really seen as important topics. Mm -hmm. And so the more and more I advocate for these really to be critical of these discussions, the more and more I feel like I see people willing to change their mindsets. And so that is something that I feel like has inspired. And the other part is creativity is that I have so many, um, students and like people in my community that, that have told me like I've done, um, you know, so many amazing things like doing work for them, or they've created projects based off art. And that has been something that I feel so, so, so happy for.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. And um, I guess I would want to, you said like kind of being a student uh, now is a lot different. And you said that you went to uh, UC Berkeley, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and now and I'm just curious to know, like you said that it was a super, you know, kind of being in this elitist environment. And uh, but it was also, you know, you learned so much because you kind of get the theory and all of that. What would you say is the the most important thing that you got from that like uh, educational, uh, like educational institution or so? What would you say? Like what what has informed your activism right now the most from that environment?
1: I think uh, uh, my university provided me a lot of institutional frameworks to look at, not just at a college level, but Mm -hmm. to understand the institutions, the policies, and practices that go into play to recognize how uh, environmental policy is implemented or how economics with the environment work. Um, For me, this was really important to understand because I think when I was younger, I would always say, "Oh, the government's corrupt," but how is it corrupt looking into like what specific and so I think um academic, academia did provide me that specific language to understand but on the other fold I think it allowed me to develop a community based framework with a lot of my best friends that were students of color because we developed our own theories we were actually critical in the way that professors were presenting things and so that really allowed me to not just feel silence or feel like this was in my thoughts this is actually like if we had something to say me and my friends would talk about it instantly Mm
0: -hmm. so you kind of fostered this like sense of community outside with outside what is like an educational institution telling you to kind of experience or know or that that's what you need to um have knowledge of
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah um and obviously this is like you know the time for us to talk about covid so <laughs> how would you uh how would you say like kind of like you said that you uh like in january you kind of started to do uh your your online uh activism like full-time and focus on that um how would you say that you know since the beginning of this pandemic like uh this influenced you know your work and your, de- I mean, also your decision to take this full time. It sounds like, you it it got you to, like a you know, a positive decision. It sounds like it makes you really happy. So, uh, what would you say is the biggest kind of, uh, like thing that influenced that? Like your like COVID. How did COVID influence really your activism and informed your work on on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think awesome. when I
0: elongated question.
1: <laughs> no, that is a perfect That's question.
0: Point. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you. No, thank you for asking that question. So I think that when COVID hit, um, I had just a month prior, two months prior from COVID hitting, I had gotten um, fired from my job. Um, it was at an agency and they were actually, the company wasn't doing too well. So they had to have staff cut And so I was one of the staffs I got um, cut off. And I uh, I had created Queer Brown Vegan two months prior from being fired from my job in January. Wow! And so this is in 2019, and so um, I realized I, I had been working my whole life. I had I had stayed every summer at college. Um, after I graduated college, I took an internship that started a week after I graduated. I was working and I got a full time job after my internship ended, and so. I was very, I really felt relieved at that moment because I realized I had not taken a break for myself. Um, At the same time, I was very worried because I was applying to jobs. I was working on Queer Brown Vegan. It was fun that I was interviewing while I was being able to work on my side part job and I had savings. Um, And then when the pandemic hit, it made me even scared because the jobs I actually was interviewing for, they, um, one of the companies actually made it to the final rounds. they went bankrupt after the COVID the first month or they fired all their employees. And so obviously the job was gone. So they never really reached out to me ever again um, because those people lost their jobs. And then um, I got a job or internship at TerraCycle and I really love that company. And so that really gave me a foot into the door to learning about sustainability in the industry. Um, and I was super grateful for everything Um, and that really helped me understand because since everything was remote I felt so much better that I was able to do my work through my bed I didn't like commuting I hated commuting going to work I didn't really like going to the office sometimes or most of the times and so now with COVID like it, it did it did allow me to connect with a lot of communities that I didn't know existed and since everyone was online, there was just a large influx of people using the internet. Um, but one of the things that I did also realize is that um, we, I, I, I realized for myself, I, I had to take care of more of myself because I was just always posting on Instagram, I was always focused on social media. And so sometimes you have to go away from social media for a bit, just to like gather your thoughts, because it was always a lot of work to do, it was always a lot of, education that i had to learn but i think with the pandemic it made me realize that um i'm very privileged to have a roof over my head and i'm still privileged to be able to make money for what i do because that was not the case for so many people and so it reminded me of like the 2008 economic crisis when that affected a lot of people um my parents themselves were already low income and um my dad was a gardener and so that didn't really affect his job a lot Mm -hmm. um as much um since a lot of people still need to garden their gardens but um it made me realize that um we do live in this world where it is often stressful and that we need time to heal ourselves
0: yeah Definitely under this capitalist world, there is, <laughs> it's constant stress. Um, well, but it sounds like it was super aligned. Like you said, you started accounts like two months before this, everything happened. And then it just kind of fell into place. So sounds it's it's always nice when looking back, you're kind of like, oh, that was like meant to be kind of. That's really nice. Um, What would you say... Uh, to people who are kind of like afraid to take the first step into uh, being committed to, you know, learning more about how to be um, active in, uh, you know, environmentalism and so on, and just to kind of um, learn more about it. Because as you said, you know, there's a lot of also people of color out there that are just kind of, you know, I mean, we have this image that Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's something like that is, it's, you know, you hear about like, Oh, I'm going to go to the farmer's market and buy all this like super expensive produce or whatever, you know, like this mm-hmm. reusable thing. So what would you say to a lot of the people out there who are kind of afraid to, you know, so to say, commit to this kind of lifestyle or, um, or to learn more? What would you, what would you direct to people?
1: Yeah. I would tell them to be an imperfect environmentalist because being imperfect makes you a better environmentalist. And I really try to disrupt that where right? I tell people straight up every day, like I use plastic every day. I don't even have access to a farmer's market here. Like I don't I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. My parents, they took me to the the swap meet mm-hmm. um sometimes, but that was we didn't really buy produce, we just go there for thrifting. And I didn't grow up that way. I don't think I will live that lifestyle. And that's fine because I don't really care to live that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so I'll make the way of how sustainability looks to me. Mm -hmm. But also really, I tell people to start off with what they're very very interested in. Because when they realize that they are interested in a certain issue, Mm -hmm. they're more willing to delve into that issue deeper. And so that's when I tell people that if you're really passionate about this subject, you need to get uncomfortable. Because a lot of the times I've had, to, I've, I have so many interests, but I've had to be uncomfortable to have conversations regarding race, colonialism, imperialism. These are really deep, deeper issues that we live in today. And so if we limit ourselves to these eco-friendly lifestyles and like are saying, Oh, we're doing the best to live sustainably. Um, you're not really, because you're not asking these questions. You're not fighting for communities of color to have access to farmers markets and they're, in their areas, like what are you doing? You're only partaking in this lifestyle that's available to your city due to your economic access. And so that's not really sustainable to me, that's not accessible. So if you're not going to be talking about accessibility and affordability, and all of these issues are helping to advocate for that, um, then that is an issue for me. And so I always tell people that um, it's not about shaming yourself into being better, But asking yourself critically, like, what are the things I can improve on? Because no one has ever died from learning about being racist to learning about colonialism, to learning about the racist history of white supremacy. No one has died learning history. And so that is so important that people educate themselves on just unlearning that history and then learning how to be a better advocate.
0: And that's kind of, you know, that's how you you know, go through your own activism, even in your Instagram, it's like that you're committed to unlearning. So that kind of, I guess this advice really stems from something that you follow. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, what are kind of, would you, how did you go about, I guess, ways to inform those around you and your immediate, you know, community and kind of uh, really Getting people on board with what you what you believe in, and you know having conversations and stuff. What would you say to people who are kind of like, you know, I really want to push this a bit more, and I've been practicing this in my own life, and I really want to kind of have a more like a deeper impact on my community. Especially conversations where people are just like, I don't have time for this right now, because you know the truth is that a lot of people are busy working and stuff like that. So what is kind of uh, a way for people to um, inform those around them and have kind of an influence in that way?
1: Yeah I I mean I think uh, it goes back to who you trust the most in your life because I think for me as a I guess a conversator with a lot of my friends Mm -hmm. is that I was willing to have these uncomfortable conversations and so I think the easiest way is to start with your best friends and your family and siblings and this is because you have a closer relationship to your family you know your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, sibling, cousin, they won't get mad at you if you're trying to have these conversations. Maybe they will, maybe they'll get annoyed, but it's more easier for you to approach them than having to go up to the stranger and trying to talk to them that you don't know. And so I found it more comfortable with my friends. And so I tell them that, um, you know, sometimes friends don't wanna talk about it and that's fine. Um, but that's not to say you should stop doing the work because other people would love to hear your thoughts. And so I really tell people to listen to them, to their hearts and to listen to their best friends that are actually telling them to do this, because you'll be surprised that so many people doubt themselves because they hanged out with the wrong type of people saying that they couldn't do that or they're not talented enough. And so when you realize like who your real friends are, it's really important to recognize that.
0: So I guess we've come to the end of our, um, interview um yeah thank you so much this was really really lovely and so informing honestly and it's i I love your approach of how you know you are kind of your own best teacher you know you know yourself the most and that's kind of how your journey is so that was really beautiful to listen to and um your commitment to unlearning is really there's always there's always something more to do. So it's it's always nice to hear that and that, you know, to take care of yourself as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much again for having me.